Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Karen Cowley, a.k.a. Kriya. And what can I say? You wait ages for an interview with a member of Wyvern Lingo and then two come along at once. After last week's interview with Kidabara, we talk to Karen about, well, Wyvern Lingo. And they're going on hiatus and we talk about her solo stuff as well. Kriya's solo stuff, not Kidabara's solo stuff, though of course we touch on that as well. Kriya has just released her debut solo EP, The Callows. Following a hiatus from Wyvern Lingo, Cowley was awarded the prestigious music bursary by the Arts Council as well as a residency at the renowned Centre Cultural Irlandais in Paris. It was during this residency that she dedicated her time to crafting the songs that would make up the Callows. She says the Callows are the flat grasslands around the Shannon and the word comes from the Irish Calla, Callag, for meadow. My mother is from Shannon Bridge, County Offaly, she says, where I spent a lot of time as a child. There's something really tranquil and ancient about the landscape there. I wrote the Callows at a time where I was feeling unmoored and craving a stranger sense of identity and rootedness. Images of this beautiful part of the country kept coming to mind, particularly the view where my grandparents are buried at Clonmacnoise Monastery along the river. The Irish landscape and the effect that it has on me comes into each of these songs in some way, so I wanted to acknowledge that in some way in the title and artwork. So that's to give you a little bit of a sense of what Kriya and Callow's EP is all about, some of the ideas behind it. Kriya has been out on the road already playing some shows she has another couple of dates coming up on july 20th she's in frank's place in wexford sea church in ballycotton on july 21st the workman cellar ep launch in dublin on july 30th that's my birthday for anybody uh listening and wondering and on august 17th she's playing the harbour bar in bray a hometown show and a double headliner with key Barra, of course so myself and Karen talk a little bit about similar stuff to last week's episode, of course. I was really worried, actually, that I was going to end up asking the exact same question or questions, perhaps, about Wyvern Lingo, but thankfully, I don't think I did. There's a little bit more Wyvern Lingo chat in there as well. We kind of start off by talking about Wyvern Lingo, just because I feel me and Quiva didn't quite get into it too deeply, so I wanted to ask a little bit more about Wyvern Lingo Karen and Quiva's former band. That's all coming up. You can get the Callow's EP on Bandcamp, listen to it in all the usual places. Myself and Karen go through it track by track. I kind of do that unannounced, so you gotta listen out for when the track by track actually starts. I forgot to actually say that during the conversation. So that'll give you a sense of the EP. We're listening to September Sun, the very first single right now, and we'll listen to Last Day of the Year, the closing track on the EP to play us out at the end of the episode. And now here's Karen Cowley, not Crowley, AKA Kriya, on the point of everything. September sun, and I'll hold on to that evening, hoping it'll bring you back to me.
So I talked with Quiva over the weekend about her own solo project that she has going on. She was laughing how you're doing it at the exact same time. And and she gave me all of the gossip about why Wyverlingo went on hiatus. So I'll, I'll let you say? have the floor. I'll let you have the floor without telling you what she, what she said. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with, maybe we'll start with Wyverlingo and how Crea started. Did you have the idea for it while Wyverlingo is still a going concern? Yes, I mean, we've, we've, I mean, certainly me and Quiva have been, I think, writing solo material for a long time because it's we when you're writing as a, as the three piece all the time. I mean, it was, it was great. It was, we, we, we are so happy with all that we did and so proud of it. But there were also times where we were writing songs and it was like, oh, that sounds more like a, like a solo venture for you rather than what's right for the band. So I think, as time went on, it became quite clear what our styles actually were, because we all had very different styles, which worked well together. But I think it became clear as time went on that certainly Quiva was definitely, you know, she really wanted to do a solo project and that, that had been a long time coming for her. I think I was slower to admit that I wanted to do that as well. <laughs> And then uh, while we were the unkind of our lot, it wasn't actually, yeah, we weren't actually, we hadn't broken up yet. We were not broken up, but you know, we hadn't, we hadn't finished it yet. But I was, um, I was, I was working on solo demos, I suppose, for that last year. And um, I, I suppose I was thinking more about what I wanted it to look like. I didn't want to go with my own name because um, it's not a great time to be Karen on the internet. Uh but oh, it's no. Also... oh no, I didn't I, that was one of my questions. Why did you go with uh with a stage name? And is that actually it because of this? No. Um, oh. <laughs> well that's part honestly it's part of it. It's not a great it's not a great SEO option, you know. So there's that, but also more severely, actually, people misspell my second name all the time. So my surname is Cowley and the amount of people that call me Crowley. So like in every Wyverlingo review ever, like it's, it's some sort of misspelling of my name. Mostly Crowley, which really annoys me because uh, people just insist on putting a little or where there isn't or people tend to correct my own spelling of my name when I hand in forms and stuff. And it's just, I, I know there's lots of people who have who have this problem. Uh, a lot of people would have maybe have it, have it worse, but it's just so simple with, with the or that it really annoys me. So uh, I was like, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can face it. And I also think I needed and wanted it to have a different uh, face a little bit. When I started, when I came up with a name, I thought four letters, great, easy. Um, there'll be no, there'll be no confusion. When I when I started sort of thinking about it and thinking about how it would look and everything, it just made loads of sense. So um, I I just chose that name. It's, I'd heard it before. The Callows kind of imagery in the callows is, is sort of based around the midlands in ireland there's actually a place i think it's near balanso called korea and i'd heard it before and i really like the sound of it and i also really like that it's sort of a little bit of a nod to the word korean irish without being too obvious so i thought if i if i um you know spells it k-o-r-e-a it would just it would just look nice sound nice and have a, a little bit of meaning for me yeah so that was the name 
are these the uh songs that you were bringing to the band that the guys were saying were kind of oh it sounds like solo kind of stuff or do you think that your solo sound has changed even in those couple of years since last day of the year actually was yeah that was one of the last ones i wrote in wyvern and go time and i remember quiva being like oh i really like this but i think it's for you and i was like oh okay which was always really nice actually because i think it gives you as much as i mean i loved writing and producing and releasing songs with the girls when you get to keep it you also get to to completely see it out the way you, you would imagine um, without having to I suppose not compromise is the wrong word but to kind of mould it into Ivan Lingo song because what we did was very specific and quite you know I suppose unique in a way that it was that was three voices and harmonies and, and we had clear ideas about production and all that kind of stuff so so it would it would never stay the song would never stay the same as it as, it, as the initial kind of root um, whereas with these songs, that's pretty much all I wanted to do was keep it really, really natural and really true to, to what it sort of started out as. So um, The Callows is actually a really old song and I did demo with Wyvern Lingo years ago. But um, it has changed so much. I, I sort of went right back again to the root of it and kind of rewrote it, reproduced it. And um, and then September Sun was, was actually the first one I really wrote for for Korea for the Korea project, um, and that one kind of really informed how I was gonna how it was all gonna sound and what I was gonna do with it. So it's kind of interesting. How do you look back on the time with Wyvern Lingo? You've been on hiatus now for over just over a year. Was was it tough to actually call hiatus? I talked a little bit about this with Quiva, but I'm just interested in your hmm. perspective on it as well. I'm sure she said the same thing. We we've actually been talking about a break since before we recorded our second album so we went into that album we all moved to Berlin and I, oh, I just loved that whole process that was just amazing but we we before we did that we were like okay we'll do this we're going to go to Germany we're going to record this album tour it and then after that we'll take a big old break because we've never actually done that we've never you know it's weird it's like being married to to each other every everything that any one of us did had to be kind of run by each other too in terms of timetabling and that's that does as you get older especially that becomes a bit of a drag you know because you you have to terrible way to say it but you know you 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 can't just go off traveling for a year or you can't just decide to move away and it was kind of funny because I got engaged a month before our break and Saoirse got engaged a month after our break (laughs) which is really funny and I think it's a really a sign of our lives kind of moving on and all of us kind of doing whatever the hell we want to like I mean you know it's it is we have the the time with Viverlingo it has taken us on such wonderful adventures we've gone amazing places and gotten to do amazing things um that I wouldn't change for the world but then the reality of that is it might be not so glamorous part of that is like you nearly never have a bank holiday weekend you can't really say to your friend who's getting married next year yes I'll definitely be there because you're always at the behest of the next best opportunity and when the call affects three people, you've got to be selfless. Like you've got to you've got to do what is best for everybody. And I think that can become very unhealthy. And it's a symptom of an unhealthy industry, but it it can it can become um it, it kind of it's it's an amount of pressure that I think surmounts very very slowly. And when you when it's 
when it, when it suddenly goes, it's liberating, you know. So, I mean, after our break, I was in Paris for a month. That was amazing. The CCI, um, having that actual freedom uh, to just do whatever. I mean, Queen has been on tour basically since we stopped with other people. And now she's doing her scooter tour and she's just like, she's happy as a pig and muck. Like, it's great. <laughs> it's just wonderful to see. And I think it was it was desperately needed for all of us in our personal lives to to just really go with the wind for a while individually because we've, ne- we've never done that yeah I've, I've like you hear about the pressures of the industry and stuff and kind of the mental health aspect of it but I, I hadn't actually thought about it in terms of like if we get this opportunity we might not be able to do you know might not be able to go to a wedding or something like that that's interesting that like I don't know I hadn't thought about that before that like you're sacrificing your own personal things that you want to attend to you know just because a festival comes calling or something like that completely I mean that's the way it was even just even just planning time off you know I mean my two sisters live in Australia and I mean it's hard enough to get the time and money to go see them in Australia but planning that around um gig schedules was really hard everything was hard planning anything was hard because it was three people's lives and timetables and then when you throw partners into the mix you know that and, and you get a little bit older again it becomes it becomes a lot of pressure yeah I suppose anyone freelance I think has the same especially in the arts has a, you know a similar story that you're always kind of if something good comes along you have to go with it uh, or and if you don't you have to live with that <laughs> so but that's hard when it's when it's three people constantly moving towards the same thing and constantly making the same sacrifices so um I think that pressure was something that I definitely needed a break from and I, and I really think the girls did too um and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves we you know we, we took it so seriously and we 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 put so much time and love and, and effort into it all um, and then COVID was really hard you know if I'm being honest that the first year we did an awful lot we were very busy thank gratefully and, and thankfully for that but but it, I think I was really burnt out at the end of it and the end of it and the beginning of touring again wasn't I know a lot of people say the same thing it wasn't this big splashback it was it was a crawl um and you know it was it was weird times for the industry for a long time so that whole period for me really took its toll um and I I definitely needed a change just a a, a sort of lifestyle change um which which I got which I'm immensely happier at the moment which is great so so you said that you've been talking about maybe taking a hiatus before you even recorded the second album. The second album came out in 2021. How come how come you decided to kind of keep going during the pandemic? Was it just a case that you were getting opportunities again that you can't say no to? Yeah, well, we didn't have a choice. And and at that time, it was the stakes were so much higher because like, you know, we were absolutely weren't going to be turning down work. We were, you know, just like everybody else, absolutely struggling to keep it alive. So what happened was, it, it, it's more that it dragged out the process so our, our plan was to take a break after we released and toured the album and that was the end of 2019 so roll in 2020 it's like okay okay we'll release the album then uh six months later than planned okay six months later than planned again so we didn't release it then until 20 mid 2021 or february 2021 after a year and a bit of of lockdown of and in, and in fairness like we 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 had a very lucky lockdown and that we were able to we were in production post-production mode so we had an awful lot of work to keep us going 
we didn't have to pull tours at the time or cancel big tours or I mean I really felt for people who released their album right before lockdown and was was the worst because I couldn't promote it we had tons of live streaming we in this in, when Germany opened up we were able to go back to Germany and kind of get the best of both worlds so I couldn't complain that first year was was busy we were creatively loving it it was the year after it was the when we released our album we actually did release it too early because we thought that it would be over by then and lol we all know how that went after that it was kind of like oh things actually are not back the way they are we actually cannot promote this the way that we need to the way that we want to or tour it the way that we need to or want to and that just it just kept rolling on time and time and time when you get bookings and like that after two years of no bookings I mean you don't you you take them it just it just pushed on and on and on and then it, we, we we decided that that summer that last summer was the cutoff point for us but but we got some you know we got to have some really nice times we got to go to Paris play the CCI you know they were nice Duel and Folk Festival ended up being our last gig and that was like my favorite gig ever so it, it was really nice for us to come out of it and then and then have a kind of last around a little bit and how do you look back on Awake You Lie? Can you like disassociate it with those COVID memories and experiences and stuff? Because I was listening to it over the weekend. Like I, st- I still think it sounds great. Like so congrats, belated congrats on that, I suppose. Thank but you. how how do you look back on it? Did did it kind of feel like a swan song in a way? Yeah, I think, well, for me, the, the, the period of time that we created ended up being very long, you know, so... For me, I, I more think about Germany, which is just which is great because we just had such a wonderful time in Berlin. And we, we really kind of found this amazing community in Berlin in terms of music and the arts, which was so special and still is special. I went back to visit there in May for Quiva's birthday and it was just so nice. And it brought back so many lovely memories. And I, I'm so glad we did it that way. We really stuck to our guns and we self-produced and we found this studio and engineer in Berlin that we loved. And creatively, the process was just my definitely our favorite experience and our, and our favorite result I suppose the promotion of it then I mean in one sense yeah I can't disassociate with COVID but then we got to do some really cool things like we got the National Concert Hall live stream for us was like a real fiesta resistance of like you know it was a real culmination of everything that we'd been dreaming up and we got this amazing budget from the National Concert Hall to do it and it was just this big ambitious thing that we would not we would not have got to do that if it wasn't for COVID either so that was really interesting and amazing experience and just we were so happy with that and so no I have I have a lot of really good memories of of that as well um but they are I suppose they are informed by the strange times we got to do a lot of really cool things in Germany a lot of interesting kind of radio performances and like little tours and that so it kind of it's a, it's a mix it's, it's a it's a it's a it was a long period of time really all in all from when we started it to when we finished promoting it and was it tough deciding to leave uh berlin from your own perspective you've been there for a couple of years haven't you yes and no i suppose because i i first went there at the end of 2019 that, that winter kind of in and out of sublets for a few months then we got locked down here thank god because it would have been i think very difficult if not I mean, we were kind of back for a few months, back in Ireland for a few months, back in Germany for a few months. And then I was, summer two years ago, I was back in Germany and I was just loving it, loving it, loving it, having the best time. And then actually this weekend, two years ago, um, a very close friend of um, my fiance's and mine passed away very suddenly. And that really changed things for me in terms of 
how I view the world and what, what I kind of wanted from life, which I know sounds extreme, but I think if you've ever experienced, you know, these kind of very tragic, um, I suppose the unnaturalness of, of a young death, um, it does really change everything. And um, at that point, I was still in Berlin and I, I really... I really needed to be to be with him and um I was back and forth we, we had a little tour about August in Germany which I did and then after that I was just I spent a couple of weeks in Berlin and I was like I just don't think I can do this anymore um not nothing to do with Berlin Berlin was great but I, I just wasn't right for me so I, I had to leave and and when I left I have to say I think it was definitely the right thing you know I felt that I, in my heart that I was like no I need to be in Dublin again we were supposed to be back that winter loads of times we tons of things lined up and then of course they were all cancelled just wasn't meant to be and we were supposed to tour in Germany last summer and that didn't happen so it was really strange I didn't end up going back to Berlin for a year and a half and I just went back in May to see Quiva and had the time of my life but it was it was very strange that year and a half in between was really um there's an awful lot of change in my life it was really nice to go back and get all those nice memories, but uh, I I miss it in some in some in some ways. But I'm also extremely happy here now. So, yeah. And tell me about this month in Paris as well, which sounds like it had a big influence on you developing the sound of Korea. So I think I've applied for the CCI bursary five years in a row. <laughs> I'm like upset. <laughs> I don't give up, and um, I I just love the CCI. I don't know if you've been. It's just gorgeous. It's, it's amazing. It's like um, an arts. It's it's like uh, the Arts Council in Paris or something, is it? It's like a load of Irish people just in this big building. That's what I'm imagining. Kind of. Basically, it used to be um, a seminary or a, a kind of a school run by Irish priests in France. Um, and I think it, I think it dates back to the 16 or 1700, Napoleon. That was Napoleon. It's there a long time and it's a beautiful courtyard. And but there was actually a history um across Europe of, of Irish monks and priests kind of going out and building these these beautiful colleges. There's one in Alcala in Spain as well, if you've ever been there, where um Cervantes was um edu- was educated. So it's like a really interesting history of like Irish educators and and religious people traveling. Uh long time ago and it's, I find that fascinating so I love the history of the place um as I'm, I think now they run they kind of run exhibitions and they host artists and it's also student accommodation for young Irish people in in Paris it's just a lovely atmosphere and the month was wonderful I was in intensive French classes as well which was great so I was really immersed and it was extremely hot extremely were the French lessons a prerequisite of going there that you've got to do the lessons or was it just something that you're doing on the side? So this was, the, this is what, it was the French language bursary. So they had like a, uh, they, have a they had a couple of bursaries. This one is for people in the arts who have an interest in France or French language. And I, I, I suppose for the last kind of six years, I've been sort of learning French and improving French. So uh, I really wanted to do this. <laughs> and I was delighted I got it five years later. Yeah, so it was really, really cool to be in intensive class like that every day. And there weren't really any Irish people in my class. It was a different little school. And really interestingly, um, a lot of them were young priests, which is like something I'd never experienced before, meeting people your own age from very different places, very different backgrounds. And uh, 
yeah, it was it was fascinating. It was a fascinating time. I wrote a lot. I got to perform for people there, which is really nice, and kind of test drive a lot of the songs. I suppose I really had my first career gig there. Um, kind of at the end of it, I played a couple of songs for for the other um residents, and it was just really really nice, really encouraging. You got to meet amazing other pe- people on the on the nursery who were working in film and and working in theater and all these all these different things, and I really really enjoyed that. Um, it was very like very inspiring very eye-opening to how how vast the Irish art scene is and when you're in music it's so like concentrated but there's so much going on and so tell me about how the Korea sound kind of developed maybe there or maybe in the interim period since what what was the kind of the general idea you had for it and what did it kind of develop as during that month maybe or the following couple of months so I actually own an awful lot to the Arts Council for this because um that that May, I was granted the Artist Bursary Award, which was like completely life changing. And um, I based that, I had sort of, actually it was only really for those two applications I did. There's nothing like an application deadline to help you <laughs> put into words what you're trying to do. Um, and I, it was the, it was the kind of autumn before that, I had started thinking about all this and I actually um, really randomly a friend of ours showed up one day and was like, Karen, would you have any use for a harp? I was like, yes. <laughs> I said, yes, I, I would. I've decided. Yes. And um, he's a really nice friend of ours who studied music and someone had loaned him a harp like seven years ago and he couldn't track this person down. They kind of vanished they used to work in a cafe together couldn't find them online didn't have a number anymore this person just lo- loaned a Celtic harp and then never came back for it Um, so it's been sitting in his parents house for a long time which I thought was a travesty so I said yes please I'll have the harp Um, and then I started sort of teaching myself and then doing a few lessons and just pottering around with it writing songs rewriting songs on it and that really informed the sound of this so when I did the artist council bursary a few months later I was like well I'd love to I'd love to incorporate the harp in this and I'd love to get better at it so when I got that I went to a harp camp last year I'm raging I didn't I wasn't able to go this year it's so cool once you get into the harp world there's a lot going on (laughs) um tell me more about harp camp what happens at harp camp amazing it's called a uh, chorus in the crew it's a group of harp enthusiasts who run these amazing um this amazing kind of residential program in term and feckin every year and i went last year i'm so annoyed i couldn't go this year I just had a few weddings and stuff and festivals and it was just amazing it's just like intensive harp workshops and lessons and there's a lot, I mean, it's naturally a lot of kind of kids and teenagers um, but there were some adult learners like myself and um, it's just amazing, just amazing people, amazing harp teachers, it's such an interesting instrument. And um, it's quite similar to the piano in, in some ways, the biology of it, like um, like a piano basically is a harp boxed up with with keys. Yeah, I just, it was really natural for me to just kind of mess around with it. Now I'm still, great, my technique's terrible, I need to do a lot more practice, but I love just arranging on it and I love writing on it and um it's it's all over the EP. Um so I was able to record record with it and 
do little bits and kind of make that part of the sound because I, I had decided I really wanted the sound to be more natural and natural piano tones and kind of kind of 1970s reminiscent of like Carl King and Paul Simon and records like that where where there's a real a real live sound um and kind of not not so much going down electronic production route or anything like that so so when I recorded it we tried to keep to that and um mostly it was like keys or sorry like piano uh drums bass and vocal like all together live at once so you know best of x amount of takes no comping <laughs> so it was like uh it was a really cool experience it was so different how i record record with girls and yeah i think we i think we got there myself and james smith who um produced and mixed the dp um we sort of had a really clear vision um which which is which was really uh satisfying actually because that's something the girls and i talked about so much was experimenting with sound and vision and with this project, I suppose, having had so much experience, I was able to come into it and, and really know what I wanted, kind of for the first time. Pluck me from this barren rock, Pluck me from this barren rock, oh, hold me in your talons, mm, hold me in your talons. And when you see fit, let me drop, oh, when you see fit, let me drop to float among the columns. Oh, So like piano keyboard would be your main instrument but it sounds like the harp is kind of one of the things that um, inspired you on the album. Were songs kind of started around the harp or was it just kind of like you adding it on little by little as you went? A little bit of both. Um, I had kind of pieces of songs that didn't make sense until I sort of played them on the harp. And it's funny because I would demo them on the harp and then maybe the harp would come out and I'd re-record them and then put a bit of harp back in. It was kind of an interesting one. Like, I'm not a great harpist, so nothing is is harp-led as such, but it's just little bits and bobs here and there to give that kind of sound. I was When I was doing the demos for the applications, um, and just for myself as well, I was actually in Connemara for a month in January of 2022, and that was really... Um, really important because it was just so quiet and lovely and I could just really focus and again I suppose the landscape is just so 
sheer and beautiful over there and I, I kind of yeah kind of tied together these these songs that that really do have like a thread about a common thread about the Irish landscape and that that is something that sort of crept up crept on me it wasn't intentional as such um but th those kind of processes of writing and demoing in specific places like Connemara like Paris uh, really um really helped me shape it yeah, it's interesting because I, I always wonder, can you hear the place in songs sometimes? And uh, it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about those places. And I guess, yeah, you can kind of, I mean, you you explain what the Callows itself is about, that it's kind of about the landscape. You talked about that earlier. So you can almost hear that in the opening song anyway, at least. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's the Midlands. That's where my, my mum is from. So I do love that. I love that part of the world. I think it's just so beautiful. Grief, you, I guess you've already kind of talked about what this song is about. Um, was it a tough song to write? Like, like it's very personal. Yes, D that was a song that I actually started years ago um, after my Nana had died. And I sort of um, was watching people in my family sort of cope with that. And I was very close to my Nana and it was, you know, it was probably both of my grandparents before that my other grandparents had died in years before that too but um I suppose my nana was very a very big constant in my life um and I had started writing that song and then sort of didn't come back to it for years and then when I got the harp and then I had a very different experience of grief with a younger person I was able, able to finish it which is interesting that sometimes songs do traverse the same experience but over time it was hard to get right, I felt, because I wanted it to be really sincere and really delicate. Um, and I have to say, like James Smith, who's just so brilliant with this whole process, and he just he just got it straight away. And he sort of knew exactly what, what I was going for. He knew exactly what mic to use to get a very intimate effect. He, he was just wonderful. And um, we were able to kind of build it up and and really do it justice I think so it was a long process that song yeah it was it was it was hard to finish but then when I did it it happened really quickly actually Skies. 
And September Song was the first song that you put out as Creo. Why did you choose that song as the as the debut? That was the first one where I had the biggest vision in terms of sound. So I knew I wanted it to sound that way. And and, and what, what we got is pretty much exactly what I wanted. Well, it is exactly what I wanted in terms of arrangement and production. I actually wrote it on the guitar, which is I'm not I'm a terrible guitarist. So um. You need to go to guitar camp. I do need to go to guitar camp someday. <laughs> Mine might not be as magical, good though. There's something like the harp; it makes you feel like you're like in some druids, you know, coven or something. I don't know. Druids have covens, but that's what it felt like. Uh, that song was a real marking point for me, and so I felt like I felt like it was the best one to start with because I think it it kind of defined the sound the, the most it was just the right time of year it was september i was ready to do something on my own i'm also my birth my birthday's in september and i'm not particularly um i don't get particularly deep about any of that kind of stuff but i i do feel maybe it's just because we all start school in september for me it's really hard to like i, I just think september is such a time of new beginnings so it just felt like a really nice um time to release it and I was really really just sure of it and proud of it and I just wanted to put it out first so um yeah I'm, I'm really glad I did I think it it sort of did I suppose define everything I wanted to do and don't tell me a cover of the Madonna song is the fourth track on the EP uh, have you always been a big Madonna fan always loved and played her music honestly no Oh, <laughs> I'm being really honest. So funny. It's like I've made an EP that I'm really, uh, really proud of and really deep. But with that one, I just love that song. I think it is a brilliant song. Um, it's written by Joe Henry, who's fantastic. And I, I think Madonna. It's weird with Madonna for me. She, you know, like I feel like people who are like slightly older Madonna was like their Christina Aguilera or Britney Spears or Alicia Keys <laughs> they were for me Madonna is for that generation and I wasn't that mad about her early stuff oh, there's a few absolute bangers don't get me wrong but I never like took much stock of Madonna until like the 2000s when she came out with an amazing um music album and all these amazing tunes and I just think that era of her is amazing I love everything everything from that that you know hung up um don't tell me I just think it's, it's such an sort of madly interesting kind of revival of her career um and you know she was in her 40s it was just just so cool and I love that song I love the video I love the lyrics I think it's a really interesting dark song I just wanted to do a cover of it it was really it was quite last minute to be honest we were just in studio and uh, it was like midnight and it was the last thing we did and I was like I will just give it a go and see how it turns out and what's interesting is that sometimes a cover can really help you um be very free with production ideas because you're not as attached to the song subject so with that one I just really enjoyed the work we did on it and it really helped kind of get the right feel for everything else um based on what we did with that so it, it, it's kind of more of a feel track but I, I do love the song but I would be lying through my teeth if I told you I was a big Madonna fan <laughs> um, I'm not in the same way as as you would expect okay so okay. 
maybe I'm being too honest right now. But <laughs> I think you know what I mean. I mean, what what do you like, Madonna? No, no, I just presume someone covers an artist, they must uh, really, really like it. But if you like that era of them, like that. she, that's the thing. Yeah, she's got so many eras. You can be a fan of that one era, I think. See, I think it's funny with covers. Like, if you cover someone you absolutely love, that's really dangerous territory. Because, I don't know, like, I love Paul Simon and I've tried to cover loads of his songs, but it's actually really hard. Because they're perfect. I love them. There's, <laughs> like, I don't know that I can do... I've only just started covering a Queen song and I'm a huge Queen fan. Um, And only because it's different enough. You know, it's hard. I feel like a good cover is a cover that takes the song somewhere else. And when it's music you absolutely love, I'm like, does it need to go somewhere else? Does, <laughs> you know, or am I just doing this for enjoyment? So, I don't know. It's a fine, it's a fine line. I feel like successful covers often it's it's about the song itself not so much about the artist Just as we've gone through the Callow's EP track by track, tell me about the final song, Last Day of the Year. I think uh, you said you wrote this while you were in Berlin. It's kind of about the COVID lockdowns as well and trying to get back to Ireland, is it? Mm. This was, I was back in the summer, actually. I actually wrote it in July, and um, which is weird because it's only a, a winter song. But I was, um, I think I just got bit of a panic I, I realized that actually I, I mightn't be this lucky that this time and there was like talks of lockdown and stuff and I was like oh I actually might be stuck here and do I want to be here and is this the right move am I happy or am I completely running away uh all those things you think about when you leave the country but if you've ever lived abroad I don't know if you like you do have this doubt of like what am I doing here <laughs> should I be here and I got this wave of nostalgia about where I'm from. Not so much where I'm from, but the song really is about the person I think I used to be and whether or not the place I was in at the time of writing the song was was a successful uh, trajectory, whether it was the right journey. And um, it's, it, yeah, I just, I couldn't help it. It was like this weird, like absolute wave of nostalgia came out of me. For, for where I'm from and, and, and my youth and, and this song came out like really quickly it was like 
um, kind of just wrote it in a night. Um, and then I kind of was stuck with it for a while. And when I brought it to James Smith in the demoing process, he sort of helped me finish it and then bring it to where it was. And that was really nice too, because it was a bit a good bit of time in, in between that. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Again, it kind of goes back to that Irish landscape thing, but but I remember so vividly writing it in my little flat in Berlin and it was like again really hot, 30 degrees. This seems to be the the theme. And I was like two in the morning and I was really quietly playing the the electric piano that was there. So this is your first EP. You've got a solo tour coming up now as well does it feel kind of weird uh doing this on your own or is it kind of an exciting weird it's an exciting weird um it's uh it's scary because i i do love playing solo but doing headline slots solo is very different than little things here and there and it's quite scary and it's a lot of prep and you are you're answering to everything and you're doing everything and doing it totally independently so it's definitely not having like a support system you do feel that sometimes and I miss maybe not having opinions to bounce off or people's you know other people to bounce off opinions off but ultimately I'm really excited I, I can't wait now I'm starting on Friday in Waterford I mean it's a tiny little tour I'm really just dipping the toe in to see what it's like I had did a little gig in Killy Bags a couple of weeks ago and that was really magical so I am just doing a few little shows, building up to the Dublin show and work ones on the 30th. And um, yeah, hopefully I'm just doing a little, a little, a few more bits and bobs. Yeah, just being kind of open about it and seeing where it takes me. And longer term, have you thought about an album or is it just, just get the EP out of the way first? See how I feel. Yes, I, I mean, I have I'm been writing a lot of other songs, so I'd love to... Um, I'll be including some of them on the set but also I'd love to get in the studio soon I don't know if it'll be an album yet maybe another EP I sort of want to yeah I'm cu- really curious to see what how this will be received and um, how the process goes for me you know it's the first my first time doing this independently since the first Wyvern Lingo EP uh, which was a world away in terms of how things have changed in the in the industry so um yeah, I'm curious to see how it'll go and at the moment like I'm just so enjoying working with other people and doing different things I've been doing little bits and bobs in Irish actually with Eve Bell which has been really fun and totally not what I expected to be doing working I worked on a friend's um, music theater piece as well so I'm I'm just really like enjoying music making from lots of different angles at the moment and I'm, I'm really can't wait to get back into the studio for a couple of new songs and then see see how it builds great well congrats on the callows best luck with it best luck with the tour as well and thanks for the chats this morning thank you so much Em. i
attempt that 